Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. My name is Greg Tuttle, and I serve as the Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministries at St. Dunstan's in San Diego. And here we are uh, in the fifth Sunday after Epiphany. We've made it so far. There's been lots of light. Yeah. It is the season of light. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're having many epiphanies, many new ideas. Uh, and we are getting dangerously close to Lent. I don't know how far away it is. <laughs> like two weeks or something. Three weeks? I've never thought of Lent it's, as the danger zone. It's true. Uh, if you're Jesus, <laughs> it certainly is. I know that this year, Ash Wednesday, is my youngest son's birthday. And oh. that is just... A bummer for him. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to have a pre-party the night before. Exactly. You might call the season of Epiphany the highway to the danger zone, really. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. (laughs) No. So we are so excited to be back in your podcast feed and excited to have Greg here. Thank you, David. Thanks, Greg, for being on the podcast with us this week. Uh, And so, as is our custom when we have a guest on the podcast, uh, we've got two questions for you. The first question is, would you share your ministry context with us? Well, thank you very much. It's good to be with you, and I think, um, I don't remember the last time we were together, but I know that the most memorable time that we were together was doing the church clap at Revive ATL in Atlanta (laughs) uh, during the Rooted in Jesus conference. And um, one of the things that the listeners can enjoy is a tutorial on YouTube, so get ready for it, because in a year's time, we'll be hosting a revival here in San Diego. And I can imagine that the church clap might find its way I imagine it may. (laughs) Into whatever venue we have. Um, My ministry context, yes. uh, Vocationally, I serve at St. Dunstan's, and that's a really nice place to be. Um, I like to think of myself as a squeaky wheel in ministry right now of how is it that we can really bring people together regardless of age and life stage. Um, What is it that we can do to provide a connective place for people's interest Mm -hmm. rather than... Um, this ageist idea of segregation that we've been living into, you know, since forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and one of the ways that we can do that is to figure out how it is to deconstruct these walls that have existed that we have really help- happily and healthfully, unhealthfully, sorry, <laughs> put up um, during the course of the last 50 or 60 years uh, since really the reconstruction of the 1950s. What is it that we can do to break down those walls and be our neighbors and regain that trust within our communities? And what is it that we can do to use our collective spaces to be really a really nice place for people to be in a community living room rather than that thing that you drive by every Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A new way of being church. There yeah. you go. Yes. So then, uh, in that ministry context... Our question for you is, in the last week, where have you seen God? Uh, this last week, I brewed beer. And I've, I started brewing beer, uh, learning from a friend uh, when I served in the Diocese of Los Angeles. Uh, his name was Greg, so that was easy to come up with, Greg's Make Beer. Uh-huh. And we, because we were both working in the church, we often figured out that on our days off, we could only ever talk about working with the church. And so we would make these wonderful, you know, rose Sunday ale um, and center aisle stuff. I mean, all these liturgical names that are just totally goofy because um, people have brewed for a really long time. I mean, the Georgians brought us wine 
you know, 8,000 years ago after the you know, agricultural revolution. The uh, Central Europeans in the monasteries um, have been brewing and really brought us the idea of the modern brew. And to join that, that succession of holy brewers has been a really, really fun thing to do because there's something beautiful and sacred about gathering friends together and gathering the ingredients from the earth and gathering the water of creation to make something very, very special. That hopefully, there's a beautiful faith that comes along with it too, because hopefully in a month when you can actually drink it, it's drinkable. Um, right. <laughs> and that's a really neat thing. So very specifically, very recently, um, brewing has been a nice way yes. to see God. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. All right. So thanks, Greg, for sharing with us. My pleasure. Uh, and we are going to uh, get into the gospel in a second. First, we want to let you know that we want to hear from you. Uh, we want to know where you saw God this week. We want to hear your stories of sharing your faith with other people. We want to hear your stories of discussion and reflection about the gospel, any of your questions or comments uh, from this week. And you can email us uh, any of those things at faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website where you can also find all the Faith to Go resources, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can also get in contact us uh, in direct message through Instagram at faith2go, where you can follow us and check out all the things we put up there. But now we need to get to the. Uh, the gospel. To the gospel. Yes. The good news. Why we're here. Of Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Mm -hmm. uh, so, this week's gospel is Matthew 5, 13 to 20. Charlotte is going to read it, and then we are each going to take some time to highlight a point that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion and or reflection. Matthew 5, verses 13 to 20. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that if I have come to do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. All right. Salt and light and the law and the prophets. Uh, this whole section is in, uh, this in Matthew chapter 5. This whole section is called is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount because it says Jesus goes up on a mountain and teaches these crowds. It's Matthew is trying to get us to uh, call back in our memories the revelation of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. So we have Jesus interpreting the law, Moses having the law revealed to him. So we're supposed to recognize that Jesus, if Jesus is up on a mountain talking about something, it's important. 
Uh, and so we have to think about this as like a big chunk of teaching from Jesus. Like we're getting mm-hmm. a little snippet of it, but it's part of a bigger, a bigger chunk of teaching that Jesus is doing. So uh, I think that's all for that. And I have the first point about this gospel for this week. And part of my point is kind of like the whole kind of like underlying thing, like what Jesus is trying to do if we look at all these things kind of together as a big chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically these metaphors that he's using of salt and light. So I hear what I think Jesus is talking, Jesus is, I think, teaching about mission, like about what it means to be a disciple and what our call is in terms of being witnesses in the world to God's love and the way that God works and to like the strength and power of God's ability to move in our lives. So I think he's, and then it all is kind of wrapped up with this thing about the law and the prophets and the uh, righteousness of the Pharisees. Um, But I think that uh, what Jesus is saying is like, think about, think about this. It's like, if salt loses its strength, what is its purpose anymore? Like if it's not strong, if salt loses, it's like the like edge of its taste. Like that word is like, it's like the edge of like something getting like dulled down, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. like the edge of a knife or something like that, you know? And then if you put a light under a bushel basket, what is the point of the light? Mm -hmm. So if you are the light of the world and you hide yourself under a bushel basket, you still can see things, but nobody else can. And so I think, and then, he, and then later he's talking about, like, the law and the prophets coming to fulfill the things. Like, it's, it's all this about, like, not letting ourselves get dull, I think. Not letting ourselves get complacent about how we're doing, but knowing that we're always called to, to be some sort of, like, sharp edge in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're, all, we're called to have, like, to have some bite to us, you know, to be salty, yeah. You know, like it's not supposed to be like someone like so if someone put salt and couldn't taste it, they wouldn't even know it's there. Like we're supposed to be witnessing to Jesus in the way that we make our presence known very, mm-hmm. very clearly, mm-hmm. you know. And so if you so we need to like there's a way of like being like really spiritual or like really personally pious. That is the same as being a light that's under a bushel basket that like you are hoarding your the gifts that God has given you instead of going out and telling people about them. You're hoarding your experience of God instead of going out and telling people about them. And so instead of, and I think this gets into the whole thing that Jesus is going to talk about with the righteousness of the Pharisees. He's saying like, you have something to offer the world. If you don't offer the world that thing, you are pretty much just salt that has no flavor. Right. You know, mm. go do that thing in the world that you're supposed to do. Don't be a bush. Don't be a light under a bushel basket. Right. You know, like you are called to sh- to reveal things to the world that you know to be true. Share your wisdom, and then it will light up everything. Well, and I think it's really interesting. You know, each time we read and we experience the gospel, we read and experience it in a different way. And uh, certainly this week, I've read it a couple of different times preparing for this conversation with you both. But just now, as I was reading the gospel, and it talked about throwing the salt out and it being trampled underfoot, I was immediately transported back to when I lived in Massachusetts. Hmm. And that, for me, 
is a God moment, right? Because even in those moments when we have lost our salt, when we are not doing what we are supposed to do, there is the opportunity to turn, um, to reinvent ourselves, to grow, and to find a useful purpose again and serve God, Mm -hmm. right? Because even in that instance, that salt that is now thrown out into the world is melting the black ice Mm -hmm. so that you can get your child to school, right? So there is always that evolving sense of call and the fact that even when we go astray, even when we are not sharing our salt and light with the world, that we can then be called out of that and go back to being useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, I think it's also supposed to like put put the impetus on us to bring about the king, the kind of, act, do the actions that bring about the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is asking us to do. It's kind of like, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, instead of waiting for someone else to do the thing that we've been called to do, what if we did it? If you lo- if salt loses its saltiness, what's going to salt the salt? There's no salt left. <laughs> you know? If you don't do it, who's going to do it? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and as David mentioned towards the end of that, I am going to talk a little bit about the scribes and the Pharisees and righteousness and all of that fun stuff. Um, And that comes right at the end of the gospel, because at the end of the gospel we hear, for I tell you, unless righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, there is no way you will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, righteousness was very much practiced by the scribes and the Pharisees. In fact, they would say that they were the authorities on it, right? Like, the scribes had their pride completely attached to interpreting the law correctly. Um, and our Pharisees in the minutiae, right down to the last detail of everything that was supposed to and be expected and done by us. And that informed their experience of righteousness, which is, you know, their ethical and moral call, right? But it also made them feel more than, mm-hmm. um, let not equal with the rest of the world. Their experience of that was that they were stationed above everybody else. And they very proudly um, shared their righteousness with the world and the interpretation of the law and how we were called to live into them. And it became more about them than it did about following God Mm -hmm. and following the laws as they were instructed. It was, you know, we've heard, I think it was maybe an Advent, it could have been before that, in that very long green season, um, when we talked about the way that we pray, and that you're not called to go into church and be like, dear God, thank you for making me so holy. I am so proud of all of the good works that I've done in your name. Um, We're not called to pray that way. We're called to pray from a place of contemplation and connection. Um, And truthfully, a humble place, right? Like, I think that part of righteousness that we are called to is a humble type of righteousness. And also, I'd really like to name in this that righteousness does not equal judgment, right? That I think that very often that we get caught up in what is right um, and our moral and ethical call in that, and that we don't view it as a way to follow and or to inform, but perhaps as an opportunity to judge others who aren't following the same way we are. And that that's not our role. Um, that sometimes that that's very much what we hear for in the scribes and the Pharisees. And I think part of why Jesus was always at odds at them mm-hmm. um, was that they thought they were so much better than everybody else. But we're all on this road. 
we're all journeying on this road. And some days we do it right and some days we do it wrong um, and that it's constant evolution and an opportunity to grow, but that none of us are perfect in it. Yeah, and I think that that uh, Jesus' like constant uh, critique of the Pharisees is their their um, insistence on personal, I mean, like personal piety without actually living into the call to love and be in relationship with other people. Personal mm-hmm. piety is the light that is under the basket. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it is a it's, it is a hoarding of spiritual gifts rather than a distribution of spiritual gifts and resources. You know? And no one should be a hoarder. No one. <laughs> There's no hoarding in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Just free-flowing. Free, free. Share it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that brings us to point three, which, Greg, I believe you have point three today. I do have point three, and I'm really excited about point three, because um, oh. before serving in the Episcopal Church, I w- had a wonderful career in musical theater. And when I was done with that and realized that I needed to get a real job, I turned to youth ministry. So there you go. <laughs> um, and this is this text makes up the um, finale of Act One of Stephen Schwartz's Godspell, um, and it's a wonderful piece that really explores what those stories mean in a modern context. And it's wonderfully done. It's masterfully done. And Light of the World is, like I said, the finale of Act One. And so it has this hypnotic baseline. And then it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling that level of funk. And then he has this explosive, you are the light of the world. And it's just great because it just, it doesn't, change the lyrics at all from the text that exists. I mean, it goes on. Um, you are the light of the world, and if you if that light's under a bushel, okay, this changes a little bit because you have to rhyme because it's a song. Uh, it's Wait, less, you have to rhyme? Like, no. <laughs> Sondheim doesn't rhyme, ever. Um, but Schwartz does, and he's really good at it. But if that light's under a bushel, and David, this is what you were talking about a little bit, it's lost something kind of crucial is what the lyric is. Um, and I often forget, you know, if I have a light right here, it's accessible through a switch on the wall. Um, lights in this day that they were talking about were bowls of oil that had something in them that was usually some remnant of an animal that was lit on fire from some other fire. So if you put it uh, something over that, it was pyrotechnically dangerous. Mm. Um not just that you would lose whatever was around you, but this thing that carries other food that's necessary might burn. Um, so Schwartz continues with this light of the world, and it's an incredible thing, and you are the salt of the earth, and if the salt has lost its flavor, it ain't got much in its favor. Um, it goes on the, the, to continue to talking about let your light so shine, um, being a city on the hill, which I think is, uh, we're starting, starting to reclaim from its theft about, 30 or 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really getting better at that, about what is it that we can do to shine our lights together? How can we bring our brightness that's been given by God to other people around us? Um, talking a little bit about uh, creativity. I mean, the first thing that we read about in Scripture is this wonderful gift that God gives us in creation and that we can be not by the level that God has done it, but co-creators of our own environments. And using Stephen Schwartz's example of, and David, you said beautifully earlier about go do that thing. 
he did that thing and he continues to do that thing um, through a lot of the work that he does. But creativity is his thing. Creativity is a thing that I really hold on to in my life and ministry. And because it's such a God-given responsibility to not exercise, it feels weird. Mm -hmm. And I really like how you can have that level of creativity that exists both in storytelling and on stage and wherever it is. If you can sit and talk with somebody, people can create wonderful stories and everybody has a story to tell. And if you can channel that in a certain way that can be told, I think we can all be better because of it. Yeah. And I think it also is, I'm listening to you, Greg, and I, is that also our creativity or our inner gifts are part of our salt. Mm. Um, and so that when we choose not to share those things with others, that that's when we lose our saltiness. That's when we hide our light, right? And that's not saying that everybody is called to a place of creativity. You certainly are. Um, but we all have different gifts and mm -hmm. skills, and using those to love and serve and follow are really important too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's also like... <clears throat> The thinking about the creativity is like, um, like you're saying, everybody has so many different, the, the gifts that we have are so varied and amazing and that we can all use them. We can, we can use all these different gifts to, um, to shed light on these truths that we know about God mm -hmm. and experiences of God so that we aren't the content, we aren't the thing that is, that is being revealed. We are the light that reveals the thing. You know, mm -hmm. so that we aren't God, we aren't the experience of God, we aren't giving people God. We are we are witnessing to how God has moved in our life in all these various ways. It could be a production of uh, musical theater, it could be a book, it could be whatever. And then like trying to share it so that people can recognize that that God is moving in their life too. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. we are just like being the yes. source of revelation not the revelation itself you know? right and it goes right back to what you and i talked about last week david with the pay attention piece mm -hmm. right because when we notice it in others then we're better able to see it in ourselves mm -hmm. okay so that's three points uh for this week uh number one was mine and it was about the salt and the light and jesus is using these metaphors to show us to Im implore us to not uh hold back our gifts uh, our God-given gifts and our experience of God from the world, but to share them and to share our our resources with others. Uh, number two was Charlottesville. It was about the about righteousness and uh, Jesus calling us to a righteousness that is not about judgment. It's not about uh, posturing, but it is legitimately about uh, bringing about the rightness of the kingdom of heaven in the world through action. Mm -hmm. It is about honoring others and ourselves and God. Uh, through the things that we do. And following from that was the third one, which was Greg's, and it was about creativity and using our creative capacities to uh, shed light on God's movement in the world and our experiences of God in the world and all the amazing ways we can do that. So, having heard those three points, Charlotte's going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. 
No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week to the faith to go podcast for February 9th, uh, Epiphany 5 in your A. Thanks again to Greg Tuttle for being here and joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, David. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, and uh, we hope uh, that you will share your stories of, uh, sh- of shining your light in the world uh, and of sharing your faith and your faith discussions and reflections. Any questions or comments or stories you have from your week, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can uh, contact us through Instagram at faith2go. Make sure to go rate and review this podcast to help other people find it. Share it with a friend. Share it with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Share it with <laughs> a neighbor. Shine its light. Shine yes. the light of yes. your phone with the <laughs> podcast open <laughs> on the world. And we will see you next week. But until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.